following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Well, good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen. If you would, open up your Bibles or electronic devices. We are going to be in Proverbs for the last time. Not ever. I mean, we might come back here and again. But here it's going to go Psalms, and then it's going to go Proverbs. And we are going to be in Proverbs chapter 6. We've been here for six weeks. And then uh, after this, uh, we got the question the other day, Jordan, where are we going? Uh, we're going to go into the book of James and talk about the book of James. These seven sermons, as well as uh, the sermons that we're going to preach in James, uh, you could say a prayer for your pastor. Because I was on the phone the other day with my dad, who is a 40-year vet in the ministry. And I said, Dad, you know what? I said, it would be so much easier to be able to preach to strangers every single week. He says, Jordan, you're going to have to tell me what you talk about, bud. What do you mean? I said, I know all these people. I'm with them. I hang out with them. I know all their problems. And you know what? It's so hard, Dad. When we start preaching some of these texts, I just want to start calling them out by name. And I said, and then it gets even harder because some of them don't show up in the sermon specifically for them. He said, Jordan, you never write a sermon for one person. (laughs) I said, here's the other hard thing, Dad. I said, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I said, I look at some of these verses and I think, oh, I fall so short. I was talking to Bethany the other day. I said, if it wasn't for mercy and grace, I'd throw in the towel. Because, man, where would we be without God's mercy and grace, right? So when you look at some of these weighty passages of Scripture, like we've been talking about for the past six weeks, and you're looking at yourself and you go, man, I am struggling with some of this stuff. Me too, all right? I probably struggle more than you struggle with it. And there's some times I look at it and I say, God, I don't even know if it is possible to live out some of this content. And he looks back at me, and you know what he says? It's not. Not without me. Proverbs chapter 6, looks what it says. There are six things in verse 16 that the Lord hates. <clears throat> it's amazing that it says the word hate, but he does. It gets underneath his skin. It bothers him. Seven things that are an abomination to him. Seventeen. First one that God hates is haughty eyes or the thing that we would call pride. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil. And you notice those first set, he's talking about like physical things, like your mouth and all this other stuff and your feet. But then watch, he goes internal as we talked about two weeks ago. A false witness who breathes out lies and then seven the one who sows discord amongst brothers or sisters in the church. Now, I know it's easy to get uh, down on yourself. And you look at some of these passages and you think, is there any remedy? I'm reminded of Job, who had an amazing amount of problems in his life. As a matter of fact, Job had the most problems more than anybody else. God took away his whole entire family. or He allowed, God didn't do it, but he allowed for his whole entire family to be taken away. His farm was taken away. His possessions were taken away. His health was taken away. He was reduced to nothing. And watch, in Job, we claim the same thing that he claims. That he, God, will deliver us from those six troubles And after seven, no evil shall touch us. Why? Because we have the gift of Jesus Christ 
blood that was shed on the cross for my sin and your sin. That's what calls us into the family of God. We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says we'll be saved because John chapter 3, verse 17 says, God didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save it. That's the message that we have. That's the hope that we have. And everything that we preach on, talk about, and this place is built on that foundation of the thing we call the gospel. The good news, according to 1 Timothy, Christ came, Christ died, Christ rose again, Christ ascended. He is sitting, ruling, reigning still, taking care of you and me. Praise the Lord to this day. Jesus, it's your text, not mine. Do something spectacular with it this morning. Convict us and encourage us at the same time. Amen. Here's the problem. If you're taking notes with me, here's the problem. First problem, you sow discord. Sowing discord. What is he talking about? Here, the guy who writes the proverb, he says, here's the seven things that God hates. And then he brings up the last one, which is an abomination, sowing discord. Let me explain that to you. The Hebrew word discord, median, is the same word as strife, Okay? meaning a lack of harmony between persons. Oftentimes, this is brought up in the context of marriage. I know you guys are doing great, but that's what he's talking about, okay? In the context of the passage, he says that there is a lack of harmony or strife between persons in marriage where a difference of opinion comes up and it leads to war. You guys have never had that in your life? I was a kid, and Bethany and I last night, there was strife, and it led to war, and then war leads to silence. (laughs) We were talking about it just a few minutes ago when we cleared the air from last night. So we're in the fight with you, right? Your pastor and your pastor's wife, well, your pastor's wife's perfect, your pastor's not so much. There's a discourse or strife, lack of harmony, Where a difference of opinion leads to war, you probably are in a war with somebody right now in your life. Because there was strife and it led to war. And a lot of times you wouldn't even know what that is anymore, right? I mean, if you were to think about it and process it, you would say, there's been so much time since this problem happened to where we're at now. I just, I can't remember really what took place. A discord is an in Harmonious combinations of tone. Think music for a second. It leads to conflict and arguments and quarreling from one another. Now, think of it like this. One man gets nothing but discord out of a piano, but another gets harmony. I'm going I'm to illustrate this, okay? So if this is the piano, one man approaches the piano, right? That's how you do this. Okay, I'll come out here because you guys can't see but you play piano with a coat on, you go like this, okay? <laughs> I've been to some symphonies in my life, not willingly, but you go like this, okay? So, one man approaches a piano like this. What is that? That's discord, because there's no chords. It's just discord. Another man approaches a piano... Like that. Harmony, right? When the notes come together. One man. And some men look at that and go, that was really good, wasn't it? That was good. (laughs) Another man looks at it and he has. (laughs) 
right? I'll get over it. I don't play piano. Bethany plays better than I do. All right? So, in the terms of musical sense, okay? Now watch this. This is important here because nobody would claim it's the piano's fault. Who's to blame? The person is to blame. So when we approach discord, a lot of people would say it is God's fault. Oh, hold on a second. Is it God's fault or is it our fault? Three seeds of discord. If you're taking notes with me, let me give you a couple, okay? Here, let me give you three of them. Which one do you sow? Where are you at right now in your life? First one, a seed of bitterness. This is a hard one. A seed of bitterness is ultimately hostility to others. Do you find yourself being hostile to others? Uh, I was extremely comforted the other day because scientifically road rage was proven. I was excited. I said, there's so many things that are going on on the road and you're focusing so much that when somebody else does something that is out of the ordinary, you go, and you're validated for your road rage. God doesn't do that. There's no validation for the seed of bitterness. A seed of bitterness is hostility to other people. Bitter men have profound grief from acts of the mind because it poisons them. They find themselves hating people and bitter against people because they don't act the way they think they should act or they don't respond the way that they think that they respond. Are you like that? Surely you're not like that. There's some people in your life that do a certain thing or act a certain way and you look at them and you think to yourself, if only you could, by the grace of God, accept Jesus and everything would change. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to accept Jesus and they're going to stay the same because God built us with individual personalities. That little thing that gets underneath your skin may still be there. So, bitter men or women have profound grief that acts on the mind like poison to the body. You hold on to fury You take offense, refuse to reconcile. Is there something that's going on in your life right now that you refuse to reconcile, that you have the ability to reconcile, and you have the ability to give grace and forgiveness, to have a harmonious tune between you and God, but you refuse to? Anything that you have in your life that you have the control to make better and you refuse to do it, you essentially have taken a seed of bitterness and put it right here in your heart and you're watering it every time you refuse to do that thing. See how that works? I'm in that boat, you're in that boat. Strikes out in anger. Every form of malice, there's your passage in Ephesians, according to the Apostle Paul, he says you must get rid of it. How do I get rid of it? It's easy, but it's difficult at the same time. Because to get rid of the seed of bitterness means you have to take the darkness and bring it to the light and cast out forgiveness and mercy and grace. Be like Christ. I would guarantee that if I could bring a couple of you on stage, and I won't do it, and say, what is the seed of bitterness right now in your life? In other words, what's the one thing that's going on in your life that you can reconcile right now in this moment but you're refusing not to. Why are you refusing not to do it? And you would say probably, I don't know. I don't know why. Just not. That's not unity. That's disharmony. So the first seed is the seed of bitterness. Do you have a seed of bitterness that's inside of you? 
Second seed would be a seed of anger. This is my problem. <laughs> well, anger is not always a sin. There's righteous anger. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's two things you should get upset about all the time. First is when the gospel is not being preached. If the gospel is not being preached wherever you're located, you should, that should make you mad. It's a righteous anger. The gospel should be present in every situation. It should be active. It should be living. It should be moving. I mean, it, sh- it should be there. And if it's not there, the man, it should make you angry. The second thing that should make you angry is when improper doctrine is taught. Oh, man, this drives me crazy. Bethany and I will go to church sometimes when uh, we're on vacation. I say sometimes because even God's pastors need time away from people. It will show up at a congregation, and I'll sit there, and I'll hear the pastor talk. And here's what he does. He gets up there. He starts his sermon with a funny joke, and everybody thinks it's funny, and I'm going, I don't know where he got that from. He says, here's what the Word of God says. And he reads a verse, and then he closes the text. And he carries on with the commentary on himself or the things that he found clever for that day. People go away hungry. They have problems in their life, and they wonder why they're struggling spiritually because they've never been fed truly the Word of God. In a proper context in a proper way that's righteous anger you should be mad when the word of god is not taught right you should be mad when the gospel is not present but there's unrighteous anger too unrighteous anger is motivated by pride and if you notice in the seven things that god hates haughty eyes or pride god hates it unrighteous anger means that people let their anger linger it's from the seed of bitterness I'm going to let it linger. Here it comes. It goes into my heart. I watered it, and now all of a sudden, I get angry. Anger is not an emotion. It's a result of an emotion that you have. Either you're upset, or you're hurt, or you're discouraged, or whatever the case may be. Why are you mad? What is really going on under the surface? So a lot of times, people who have the seed of anger will attack the problem or the person using destructive words and poisonous speech instead of really looking at what's going on in the heart. (laughs) This is funny. I went golfing with a guy the other day. We were on the third hole, and I am not the greatest golfer in the world. Let's just be honest about this right now. Bring that to the surface. Thank you, Jesus. So... I had every excuse underneath the sun going on. It was wet out there. The grass was so long. My ball kept getting lost in the rough. Who hit the ball in the rough? Anyway, my shoes were soaking wet. I took them off. I played barefoot for a hole. And I looked at him, and it got comical. I looked at the fourth hole, and I said, Hey, you know who's, what, what the real problem is here about why I'm struggling golfing today? He goes, You? I go, Me! <laughs> it's my fault. I'm blaming every single other thing instead of focusing on me. That's what we have in the Christian life. It's Carol's fault at work that I don't like my job. (laughs) Hold on, I'm sure Carol's a gem, but, right? Well, if they would just turn the air conditioner on in the sanctuary, I'd come more often to church. (laughs) Sometimes it hits a little closer to home, right? You go through all these things and you attack everything else except for ourselves and we hold a grudge and we keep things inside. Ephesians chapter 4. Be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Attack what's underneath the surface. So where are you at? You have a seed of bitterness. You have a seed of anger. Or how about the third one? Do you have a seed of 
distrust. This is hard for me too. Distrust is essentially when we take our eyes off to the Lord and we look at our own strength and our own confidence instead of that which comes from His Word. Somebody who sows a seed of discord using distrust will push others to put their faith in what the world has to say instead of what the Word has to say. So it is a seed that we sow inside of ourselves when we say that my way is greater than God's way. Lord, when I got up this morning, I found it totally reasonable to check my Facebook news feed to see what... I got to stop using the word Tim. Tim goes to our church. There's a couple of Tims that go to our church. And they're like, Jordan, I feel like you're always talking about me when you use the word Tim. So Carl <laughs> has to say on my Facebook news feed, because his opinion is greater than God's opinion. And you will do this. You'll get on your phone and you will say, hey, look what Carl had to say. You'll hit your text messages and you'll say, hey, Kevin, look what Carl said today. You don't even know what the word says. That is a seed of distrust. Anytime we place our trust in anything outside of God, in Proverbs chapter 6, Verse 19, you are sowing discord. That's what the Bible says. Anytime I trust God's way over my own way, I'm sowing discord. Anytime I have a seed of anger in my life, I'm sowing discord. Anytime I have a seed of bitterness in my life, I'm sowing discord. Why? Because go back to the text. The one who sows discord amongst brothers Anything internally happening with me affects externally the church which we are a part of. So if there's anger and resentment and things like that going on within ourselves, it will leak out into the church. And we'll get into this spot to where we see that we have sowed all of these seeds. And I can look at all of you and I can say, man, I know that there's so many of us are in this boat and I'm in this boat. And so while salvation takes away the penalty of sin, what am I to do? Because here's where I find myself so many times as a Christian man, completely discouraged. God, I've been in this boat. I've had bitterness and anger and distrust, and it's this war kind of being fought over myself. I mean, it's like raging within me. What am I to do? This flesh hangs on me, like Paul says. It clings to me. I am at war with it all the time. What do I do? Well, watch. Christians are called to crucify the sinful nature with its passions and desires to keep in step with the Spirit. So here's your solution, okay? Your biblical solution. Here's how we sow harmony as Christians over discord, according to what the text says. Here's how this works. The first thing is you have to wage a war against these things. It is so important. You have to wage a war about what's going on inside. You have to wake up in the morning and realize there is going to be a fight today for you growing in your walk with Jesus Christ. 
There is a war going on for the marriage that you have with your spouse. There's a war going on with the friendships that you have in this life. There's a war going on for the gospel to be preached, for God's word to be manifested, for the Bible to be held up to the highest esteem. There's a fight going on. We wake up every morning and we either accept the fight or we reject the fight. We reject the fight. We say, God, my ways are better than your ways. We accept the fight. We say, okay, Lord, I need your help. I need your power. I need your wisdom. And it's all going to come from this. So you embrace, first of all, the fight against bitterness. Making sure that bitter roots aren't growing in our hearts, causing us to fall short of God's grace. God's desire is four things. God's desire is, first of all, that you live in love. Love who? That you would love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This takes everything that you have. It's the foundation of your salvation. That I would love the Lord God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. That I would get up in the morning and embrace that concept. God, I'm going to love you today with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength. And the second commandment is like it, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. So two things that I'm going to strive for today is I'm going to strive, first of all, to love my Lord, and second of all, to love the church and God's people. Love is the first one. A product of love means joy. So if I love the Lord properly and I love my neighbor as myself properly, I produce joy. (laughs) I'm happy. If you go to the end of your day and you say, man, I just don't feel like today was a good day, I would ask you two questions. One, did you seek to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Did you seek to love your neighbor as yourself? And if you say yes, I would guarantee that there is joy within you. If you'd say no, and you'd be honest with yourself, there probably you were missing those two aspects. So the first thing is love. A product of love is joy. And a product of joy is peace. A peace that passes all understanding. A peace to know that I've done these things, I've honored the Lord and honored the brother and the sisterhood because of the love that I have for him. So a product of, first thing is love, a product of love is joy, a product of joy is peace, a product of peace is holiness or distinction. You will be different than the rest of the world if you do that thing, if you engage in the fight. I'm not going to be bitter, I'm going to love the Lord. Now watch, it carries on, it continues. Okay, as believers, we're called to watch diligently being on guard against the grave pearl of bitterness. You fight it a few ways. The best way to fight bitterness is to use the F word. Forgive. Some of you guys went in a whole different direction. And that's why I pray for you daily. Forgive, 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 forgive. Forgiveness is the first way to destroy the root of bitterness. Those of you that have a garden, it's like taking out the vegetation killer and squirting it on the weeds. And you watch them die. When I forgive somebody, I've essentially said that I do not want this seed of bitterness to be in my heart. A lack of forgiveness is why a lot of us have bitterness. So we must face what we are willing to in the tension as there is growth. Now, some of you guys will say, oh, Jordan, I don't think you understand what happened last night, okay? I don't think you get it. I mean, we had knockdown, drag out fight. There were frying pans flying across the living room. I mean, it was a war in my house. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go across, you know, the battle lines or whatever with a white flag. Say, hey, hon, 
I'm sorry. See what happens. I, it, it wasn't my fault. It's her fault. I don't think, you know my wife? Have you met her? Like, yeah, I know your wife. She's a lot better than you. Anyway, but yeah, you should go across and say you're sorry. It's amazing how far it goes. Say you're sorry. Now, some of you guys are in friendships like this, friendships that are broken. You could say you're sorry. That doesn't mean the friendship is going to be healed and you're going to be best friends that day, but you know what? You did your part. Some of you kids who are rebelling against mom and dad, you go up to mom and dad, you say, hey, mom, sorry. You leave it at that. You let God do the work and the growth. You got to face what you're unwilling to face. In Matthew chapter 18, there's a parable of a man who was forgiven a great debt. The forgiven man immediately demands payment from somebody who owes him a fraction of what he owed. Though he was shown mercy and grace, he was unwilling to extend it, even in the small way in which led to sowing discord. Though he was shown mercy and grace, he was unwilling to extend it. All of us sit here this morning as recipients of God's mercy and grace. You have to extend it as well. Jordan, I don't think you've ever met Carl. I haven't. Jordan, I don't think you know where my marriage is at. Maybe I don't. Forgiveness is the first part. You say, hey, I'm sorry. Then you move on. You're offering something you have received. Are you getting that? You've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have received mercy and grace. And when you give forgiveness, you are offering mercy and grace. You are communicating the gospel to somebody clearly. And bitterness cannot reside when darkness comes to light. An unforgiving spirit has eyes on themselves and not on the Lord. We tell God all the time, he should pay for this. She should pay for this. They should pay for this. And Christ looks at you and says, I already did pay for it. Their sins, the things, the transgressions that they have done for you and against you are those sins that I've already covered. So you might as well forgive them because they're already forgiven as they lie. Isn't that amazing? That's like a general revelation to me. There are people in my life who have sowed discord personally to me. And when I forgive them, I'm given the same grace that God has given to me. I'm not saying the relationship is going to be perfect. I'm not saying we're going to be best friends. But I'm giving them the same grace that God has given to me. James chapter 4, verse 10. You humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. You speak no evil one of another. Who do you need to forgive today? Write that person's name down on your slip and do it. And text them. Ah, oh, you can text in church right now if you want to. It'd be the best thing you ever did. Say, hey man, I forgive you. I do it in person, but whatever. <clears throat> Texting works too. Okay, two. Embrace the fight against anger. So there's bitterness is going to leave the more I forgive. What about anger? We biblically handle anger by returning good for evil. You convert that anger into love. That is, we can change our feelings toward others by changing how we choose to act toward them, communicating to solve the problem. Uh, A guy named Paul Meyer said, communication is the human connection, which is the key to personal and career success. I'm going to give you four of them, okay? Four rules to communicate. 
And this is how you get rid of anger. Watch this. First and foremost, you honestly speak the truth. This is super tough. This is where almost 90% of things go off the rails. You guys come up to me and you say, Pastor Jordan, I have a problem. Here's what's going on. Here's what's happening with me and this other person or me and my spouse or things that are going on in my marriage. And I look at you and I say, okay, first of all, have you asked for forgiveness? And they, yep, I've asked for forgiveness. I just say, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I just want to apologize for my part and what I'm doing right here. I want to ask for forgiveness. I say, okay, now, have you spoken truthfully about what's going on? Because here's what happens. We cover it up and we beat around the bush. And then all of a sudden you end up in this big pile of manure and you don't know how you got there. (laughs) This is a hilarious story. We were a small group one time. This is a long time ago. There was a girl that was sitting there. She was talking about her marriage, and we were talking about how to make our marriages better. She had, in her mind, because we were going around the room. Remember, this is hilarious. And she says, uh, she said on her paper, she looks at her paper, she says, I think, I don't know how she had it worded, I think that he should figure out what I'm trying to say and and handle it accordingly. So all of us kind of looked at her, and we're like, are you saying you want your husband to read your mind? She said, yeah, that's, he's supposed to, right? Like, that's what he's supposed to do. No, no husband has any idea what's going on in the mind of a woman, nor do we want to be in the mind of a woman. And so we are like, you got to speak truthfully. Like, you got to be as dumb and as blunt as you possibly can with us. We are stubborn mules, Right? She's like, oh, that makes, that makes sense. So we speak honestly about the problem. I get in more problems in my life when I beat around the bush if I would have just come out and said it. If I would have just spoken honestly. That's Ephesians chapter 4. Just speak the truth in love. People can't read minds, so we have to talk in love. Like here, I mean, Mark's a deacon. He's sitting right in front of me. So if I got an issue with Mark. I go up to Mark. I say, Mark, listen, man, when you told me that I was ugly, that hurt my feelings. Okay? It's on the table. And it did. It hurt my feelings. You speak the truth in love, right? Now let's take it to another level. Watch this. Mark, when you told me to stop looking at pornography, that offended me. Whoa. But what if it did? Like, like now we can get somewhere, right? If I walk up to Mark, let me do another one. Mark, I hate your guts. I don't know why. I can't. And those of you who know Mark are nodding your head. I'm glad you're sitting in the front row because people are nodding their head right now. (laughs) If I look at him honestly and speak the truth, we can get somewhere then, right? We can get somewhere. Now, I probably wouldn't say it that untactfully, right? But Mark, for some reason, our personalities, we we just don't connect, man. I don't understand it. I just don't know why. You know what I did? brought darkness to light. These are things that are going on inside of me. I'm going to bring him up, and I'm going to let him and I converse. I I love you, brother. Okay. Thanks for wearing a CGC shirt today. (laughs) So you got to honestly speak. Second thing, you stay current. What brothers and sisters, or what bothers us, excuse me, can't build up, or we will lose the ability to control ourselves. So we deal with it now, okay? So let's say that happened just, just a second ago, right? Like, Mark and I have had continual problems, continual issues. Like, it just keeps coming up. It keeps up. Mark, I don't understand why we're having problems. I don't get it. I feel like our personalities are just off. And I, I, I don't know what's going on, man. Can you help me out? Can you help me understand? And, you know, and, and we handle that problem right then and there. 
We stay current with what's really going on. I'm not going to back here. And let me tell you something, Mark. It, it, five months ago, your wife came up to me and she said the same thing. She said I was ugly and it makes me mad. Right? You can't go backwards in time. You have to stay current with what's going on. The past is the past. Forgive. If you have not forgiven, the seed of bitterness is still in here. You tracking? And that sows discord. You see the discord that's going on between us? So I'm going to go back in the past. The seed of bitterness is going to come up. If I haven't forgiven him for that, I have to go back there. But now I have forgiven him, and I don't want to be angry against him, so I'm going to speak honestly. I'm going to stay current, and I'm going to attack the problem, third thing, not the person. Mark, you're ugly too. What's that do? Nothing. Can't do that. What's the real problem? What's the real issue? Remember the importance of keeping the volume of our voices low. I do this. I'm a passionate person. So for me, it's, well, Mark, you're ugly too. I can't do that. I said, Mark, I've been praying about this. That's not right either. Don't do that. You, stay, you speak honestly. You stay current. You attack the problem in the priest, and you do it in a loving manner. Mark, I don't know why our personalities just don't line up. What's this look like for us? I mean, we're probably not going to go to lunch every week. I understand that. Like, how do we exist here as a church, brothers in the Lord? What does that look like for us? I'm going to let him respond. I'm going to have a good, solid conversation with him. Because what happens is emotion takes over. You know what? This one's free. When emotion takes over, logic ceases. The second your emotions take over, logic has ceased. Now you're going to attack the person, you're going to go back into the past, and you're going to lie straight to their face. Fourth thing, this is how you fight against anger. Speak honestly, stay current, attack problems, not people. Act, don't react. The first impulse is often a sinful one. (laughs) Count to ten. I do this all the time. Somebody will tell me something. Jordan, I don't like the music. That's against Becky, so whatever. Jordan, I don't like the preaching. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. You got to breathe for a minute, okay? Think about things. You act. You don't react. I want to reflect the godly way to respond. That's Ephesians 4, 32. To remind myself how to solve the problem and not create a bigger one. Because as soon as emotion takes over and logic goes out the window, you've created a bigger problem. You see that? So let's say Mark stole 20 bucks from me. He's going to hate me after church because he hates being the center of attention. Mark stole 20 bucks from me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go up to him. I'm going to say, Mark, did you steal 20 bucks from me? (laughs) Okay, so right there he owes me 20 bucks. We're done. Right? See, I want to speak openly and honestly. Let's get to the heart of the problem. You still 20 bucks for me? Maybe. Okay, second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to stay current. I'm not going to go in the past and I'm going to say, Mark, you always steal money from everybody. Never use absolutes. Doesn't work out. Mark, every time you are in church, you steal tons of money. Every time you're with, at your job, you steal money. Every time you're with somebody else, you steal money. No, we're not going to do that. I'm going to stay current. Mark, I just want my 20 bucks. You steal my 20 bucks? See? I'm going to stay current. 
I'm not going to go back in the past. I'm not going to sow. Mark always does this. No, I'm going to stay current. Third thing, I'm going to attack the problem. Mark, listen, I'm going to give you grace right now. If you stole 20 bucks from me, I'm going to let you keep the 20 bucks. We're done. There's the problem. And if Mark looks at me and goes, Jordan, I stole your money and you're never getting it back. I say, Mark, don't worry. I forgive you for that and I move on. If we can do that with small things, think of what can happen if you do it with big things. So you've got to fight against bitterness. You've got to fight against anger. Last thing, and I'll make this quick. The fight against distrust. <clears throat> Men can and will let you down. They always do. Mark's going to let me down. I know that. But Christ is the sure foundation. Isaiah, Isaiah tells us that the sovereign Lord says, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, which is the sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Jesus is the solid rock. He's the only hope of security. So I keep my eyes on Christ. He never lets me down. I don't think you understand that. Every word of God proves true. That's what the Bible says. Every single word that God has spoken is truth. I love your word because it is true. David said that. We go back to the word all the time because it proves true. Mark's going to let me down. People are going to let me down. The church is going to let me down. My work is going to let me down. My friends are going to let me down. My spouse is going to let me down. It's going to happen. But God's word is never going to let me down. So I keep my eyes on Christ. The reason for distrust is the obsession with ourselves. And it's about me mentality. God's work can't be done in a prideful heart. It just can't. And so what we look at is that we humble ourselves. We recognize that while man may let us down, God will, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, supply every need of yours according to the riches and the glory of Christ Jesus. If you struggle with feelings of insecurity, you don't forget God's promise. Look at Isaiah chapter 62. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So there's my fight. Every morning I wake up to make sure I do not sow discord amongst the brothers in the church, in the world, so the people would see the gospel. I trust in the Lord and only in the Lord. When I put my trust in man, he fails me. I trust God. When I get angry about stuff, I handle it properly. I fight against it. I bring the darkness to the light. Expose it for what it is. So the seed of anger wouldn't happen in my heart. And I forgive so that bitterness would not stay here. Where are you? Today, Community Gospel Church, here you sit. Where are you? Which one of those seeds do you need to work on today? Put tangible feet to the message that was taught to you this morning. Who is in your life that you need to forgive? Seek out your heart. I guarantee you'll find somebody. I guarantee it. We can always ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's for the first time you ask for forgiveness from Jesus Christ and you say, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and I'm asking God to come in and live in my life and give me eternal life now and forever. Who is it that needs the forgiveness in your life? Who maybe do you need to go have a conversation with even today? And communicate clearly so that the anger that you have in your heart goes away. Maybe you need to go out for lunch with your spouse and have that conversation. 
Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your friends. Maybe it's with somebody who's here. Pick up the phone and call. And trust in the Lord. And he will renew your spirit. That's the beauty of the Bible. We embrace the fight of distrust by trusting in God and say, God, I will trust in you. The author of Hebrews closes our series. He says it well. And this would be my prayer for you and all of the things that we've talked about. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And we shall not stumble or do the things that God hates as long as we fix our eyes upon Jesus Christ. Let's pray that together. Father God, your word is beautiful, it's true, it's relevant, it's applicable. We ask this morning that you would help us to fix our eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We ask this morning that you would help us to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. We ask that you would help us to run the race that is marked out for us. We know that we fall short, God. We understand that. We ask, Lord Jesus, this morning that you would help us to understand the importance of seeking you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with loving our neighbor as ourselves, so that we can see the product of joy, so that we can experience the product of peace, and so that we can be set apart from the world that is around us, so that the gospel of your Son could be communicated clearly, so that those far from you would come to know you in a relationship with you. All God's people said. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.